you might guess. Uh, from chapter 4, starting with verse 21 up to verse 24. all the words of the Lord in my Bible, they are in red. And if you found it, it reads thus. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the eye is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let us pray. Mighty God, indeed these are ancient words that remains true today. We thank you for the privilege of pondering upon your word today. May you grant us hearts that are in sync with what you want to teach us today. Grant us spirits that want to learn and seek to apply these words that changes each one of us. We pray that you do the same today, that you change us with your words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now our scene today is found in a passage that is very much popular and I guess most of us are familiar with uh, what is normally known as Jesus and the Samaritan woman or in, with the woman of Samaria. We learned that Jesus had made many disciples and in Judea, and he was en route from Judea going to Galilee because the powers that be of the time were starting to uh, take notice of his doings, his miracles, and even baptizing more people than John uh, baptized. So he was attracting unnecessary, undesirable attention so he moved. On his way to Galilee, he passes through Samaria, which we are told in those days because of the enmity between the Samaritans and the Jews, Jews wouldn't even dare go through Samaria. They would actually go around and even uh, cross the sea uh, just to avoid these people. 
But we see our Lord not making a long trip around. He goes straight and our scene today is set outside a village or a little town called Saika. There outside the town or the village there's a well which is known as the well of David and we find him at noon. It must have been very hot. It must have been, he must have been tired from the journey himself. And we are told that his disciples were out into town to go buy food. And he's there on his own. And a certain Samaritan woman comes. He's got a picture. I think we can accept that he came to, to draw water. When she gets there, Jesus Christ asked him to give him to drink. And as you would know, the story will go back and forward. Uh, how can you ask me for water when you are a Samaritan, when you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman uh, who happens to even be a prostitute who's drawing water alone midday when other women come late in the afternoon or early in the morning. To, call, to cut the long story short, it gets to a point where Jesus Christ tells, him, tells her about her life. And she realizes that this man is not an ordinary man. And he actually exclaims that, are you, and asks, are you a prophet? I can see you are a prophet, she says, and Jesus doesn't entertain that. She continues to say, you Jews are those who say we must worship in Jerusalem and not in this mountain where you even find our forefathers, even Jacob himself was here. And probably it's to get Jesus away from the whole prophecy of you have had five men and the one you are with is not even your husband. Uh, that's why you can't go and call your husband. Maybe it was a sincere question about concerns of places of worship which one is worthier than the other, or which one is the real place of worship. And we see the response from where we have read that the Lord doesn't entertain that too. This was a divine appointment by the Lord himself to reach out to the spirit, to reach out to the soul, of this one human being at 12 o'clock noon. We see in verse 21, the Lord says, neither, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. He changes the subject 
to say it is not the place that is of importance. It is not a specific location. Our God is not limited or confined to spaces and locations and decorated temples and altars. What matters is who you worship. It doesn't matter where it is. It is not in this mountain. It might not even be in the temple in Jerusalem. But it is important that your object of worship is the Father. And you will pardon me if you are looking for perhaps my title for today's message. It is authentic worship. And at verse 21, we see that Jesus Christ presents to us the object of worship. The arguments, however relevant they are between the Samaritans and the Jews, is not what is important. We find ourselves in this day and age living amongst people who worship themselves, self-gratification, whose worship, object of worship is their careers, their gifts, their talents. Or even their jobs. The word of the Lord rings true today, just as it did at Jacob's well. It is the Father we ought to worship. This is a sobering claim from the Lord that this woman never expected. You are worried about the places. You are worried about the temples. I am worried about the object. Do you have a relationship of a child and father? Are you even having the right to worship. Indeed, the Samaritans worshipped. Even as we learn the ignorance of this woman at the well, and some of us are very much like her. The question that may come today to me and you is that are you the right subject of worship? Do you have the father and son relationship? Yes, indeed, the last days, the time will come where all of us will account and in fact, when you look at Romans 14, verse 11, it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess 
to the Lord. Yes, each and every one without exception. But that is at the end of times. Today, the question remains, who are these people who call Almighty God Father? It is those who Paul speaks about in the letter to the Galatians. If you look at verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Because you are sons, he has sent his spirit, the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit is crying from within you, Abba, Father. You have a relationship that is peculiar, that is not like any other. The creator of the universe is your father. It is those that John speaks about in chapter 1, verse 12, when he says, to ever received him who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Before you can worship in this place and that place, you need to be a child of God. Are we children of God today? Are we worried about too many things that have no bearing on our relationship with the Father? Is our object of worship the outward performances of raising hands and jumping up and down and doing all other things without having a relationship. Authentic worship is made to the Father by children of God who have a relationship with the Father who have a spirit within themselves that is crying, Abba, Father. That brings us to the second point. Authentic worship is not ignorant. It is informed. It is involved. It is interested. It is not passive. Jesus Christ makes another claim that we might even find uncomfortable because none of us is a Jew here and we claim to be saved. When we look at verse 22, he says, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Sorry. And now you will understand that the, the Samaritans had rejected the, scripture, the Holy Scriptures of the day as they had been known. That would have been the law and the prophets during those times. The New Testament was not there. They had embraced only the first five books of Moses, the Torah. They had created themselves a self-sanctioned temple in the mountain of Gerizim, 
and they have sought to imitate and do what the Jews do in the church that was sanctioned and created, built at the instruction of God in Jerusalem. Over and above that, we read that they also added idol worship to their activities in this mountain that this woman is asking Christ about. And Jesus Christ is very frank. He dismisses this claim of ignorant worship by Samaritans. You worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we know. And just to allay your fears, we all agree that the Messiah was to come and was to come from the Jews, and therefore salvation came from the Jews. What the Samaritans had was not the real thing, was worshipping out of ignorance, was worshipping in vain, was worshipping symbols and revering ceremonies and rites and practices. The words of the Gospel of Matthew 15 verse 9 rings true. In vain do they worship me, teaching us doctrines, the doctrines of men. Have it ever occurred to each one of us that you may worship and find yourself that in fact your worship was a worthless waste of time? You've been worshiping in vain. These people had mimicked the right sacrifices, the right kind of clothes, the right kind of gestures, and the right kind of practices that the Jews were doing. But Jesus Christ says, you are ignorant. You are worshiping what you do not know. You are worshiping in vain. Now we will agree that the temple of Jerusalem was sanctioned and built at the command of the Lord, that the specific activities that took place from, from that place were actually done at the command of the Lord. You Samaritans created your own temple in the mountain. God never sanctioned it. God never requested it. Offer offerings to God that God never even requested. You worship what you do not know. We cannot be here, brothers and sisters, just to warm the seats just to tick a box of our religious practice of the week, 
We cannot be those who come here each and every Sunday to worship but worship in vain. We are called upon in this scripture by the Lord himself to take cognizance of the fact that worship must be authentic. Worship must be informed. Worship must be made to God by children of God. And then we look at our next point that says authentic worship is spiritual worship. Still there in verse 23, but the eye is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Woman, the time to play church, the time for going through motions has come to an end. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And verse 24 repeats the same idea, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And sometimes it is hard to comprehend what does it mean to worship in spirit. I've been to a church when I grew up that at a certain point the pastor will say, uh, uh, you must pray in the spirit. Uh, or even during the worship songs, they will ask that you worship in the spirit and people will start mumbling uh, what is called tongues that are not recognizable. This is not what the Lord refers to here. Before I throw out the baby with uh, the bucket or the water. We should realize that outward appearances and practices and religious observances have their place in worship. There are times that we do some liturgical uh, worship. There are times where we read the call to worship uh, together. And the, all these are important and have their place. But worship to be true must be in the spirit. It is deep internal prostrating of your spirits before God that ultimately becomes a spring and a fountain that affects each and every part of your life. When you look at the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
That's where the summary, we find the summary of the law. And after he gives them one of the laws that has to do with the internal matters of the heart. It says here, O Israel, I think it's verse 4 of chapter 6, Here, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the spiritual worship that the Lord is referring to that takes over your whole being. He continues at verse 6 to say, And this words that I command you today shall be on your hearts, inside, not outside. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be frontlets between your eyes. They will affect your perspective, how you look at the world and whatever is going through in your life, you are going through in your life. Those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit. A true worship, authentic worship, is a matter of your heart. Your whole lifestyle will be a reverence and adoration of God the Father in whatever circumstances you find yourself in, in whatever situation you find yourself in. Now when we we grew up at high school. We, we were in the Youth for Christ Club as young people. And we used to have a challenge that most of the students will be born again at school, at the club. And when we go back to the village, it's another story. These days, we find that even in our workplaces, no one knows that you are a child of God. Your life is not showing a lifestyle of reverence and adoration to the Lord. I've just looked at my time, and I think it is not on my side. So let me wrap up. We see that this Samaritans had the form of faith, had the form of worship, but did not know the Father. They were going through the motions. Their hearts, their innermost being was not in what they are doing. Like us, perhaps they lack the reading of the word, 
when we are not here, the praying, teaching, godly living as examples to our children, to our neighbors, to each and everyone we interact with. The Lord has harsh words for us too. You look at Matthew 15 verse 8, he says these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It is possible for us to fail in the same trap as the Samaritan worshippers who worship in vain. Yes, in some churches when I visit, you see that even through the most solemn practices of our faith, you'll see people just not interested, busy with probably thoughtless looking about and working on their cell phones and minding their own business throughout worship. They are indevote, they are profane, their attitude is not spiritual at all. Authentic worship in spirit is not lip service, but a heart that is deeply emotional, that loves, has a deep love for sound and true doctrine. John Piper says, true worship comes only from the spirit made alive and sensitive by the quickening of the spirit of God. When there's no spirit in your worship, there's no worship. It's going through the motions, it's ignorance, it's worshiping what you do not know, it is worshiping in vain. And And now the last point is to worship in truth. Authentic worship is true worship. Authentic worship is made in truth. Verse 23 and 24 not only requires true worshipers to worship in spirit, but also in truth. Today the Samaritans, however sincere their worship might have been, was from ignorance and the Jews was just symbolic. Whatever they did was not the real worship. It was symbols of what was still to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Time of ignorant worship of symbols has come to an end. There's no longer any need for us to take animals to the temple in order to show and symbolize that we have given ourselves to God, we can now concentrate on the real authentic worship of giving ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. No longer is there a need to light candles around altars to show that the light has come into the world. We can be the light of the world. No need to carry incense or swing it around and symbolize the sweet 
aroma of the prayers of the saints while we can on our own just humble ourselves and with grateful hearts call upon the name of the Lord and worship him. Christ is simply saying it is time for mature worship, not a symbolic one, an internal one, not for people to see, but for God to see. It is also important to realize that when you speak about truth, you are, truth is also opposed to error or misconception about the object of our worship. Even today, the Father is still seeking. Verse 23 to the end says, the Father seeks such to worship him. Which people are we referring to? Verse 23, they are true worshipers. Who are these? Those who have the right to become children of God, whose spirits cry, Abba Father, who worship in spirit and truth. Dear Lord, you are good. Your mercies are forever new. Your word has never come out and went back to you without accomplishing its purpose. We pray that this should be true today, that as worshipers of God this morning, we may learn to be true worshipers who worship you in spirit, who worship you in truth. We thank you that you are a spirit, you are not limited or confined to places, and even today you are here with us. We pray that as we go through this week and ponder upon these words, you may continue to instruct us in ways that meet our individual needs. We pray this in your name. Amen. We will worship our Lord as we uh, reflect on this word, uh, a very wonderful chorus that talks about all heaven declares the glories of the risen Lord. Let's stand up and sing together.
A benediction is from Psalm 19, verse 14. It says that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And if you think about authentic worship, let this be 